why I've been gone for a month, a very late recap of the NBA draft, and the Eagles just keep on losing. I'm Austin Bennett, and this is the Philly Cheese Take. Because bad things happen in Philadelphia, bad things. And the Eagles will drop down to 3-7-1 with talk of they're still in it. episode four of the Philly Cheese Take. I'm glad to be back. Uh, it's been a while. It's been over a month since my last episode. Um, life has been kind of crazy. Um, I've had a lot of schoolwork the last couple weeks. Before Thanksgiving break, I had eight test uh, grades within two days. And I had Thanksgiving break, of course, where I spent time with my family. Didn't do any podcasts then. Uh, also, before Thanksgiving break, I had my Eagle Scout project. I'm a Boy Scout. I've been doing it pretty much all my life. Uh, I joined Cub Scouts in first grade, and I haven't stopped since. And pretty soon, I'll be an Eagle Scout. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so I uh, I went out, built a fence, a couple picnic tables, got to hang out with a couple of my friends. It was pretty fun, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's uh, – it, I'm, I'm glad, but also kind of sad that it's uh, almost over. Um, obviously, I'll still be able to participate with my troop, but uh, I'm pretty much at the end of the road now. So, yeah, and then I have had a lot of work as well. Uh, in case you guys don't know, I have a job. So, I've got schoolwork, I've got scouts, I've got sports that I play, and also I have a job. So, it all is a lot, so I don't have a ton of free time to do these, so I can't uh, do them as often as often as I'd like. But thankfully tonight I am able to uh, record this. So we have uh, we have witnessed four Eagles games since the last time I was able to talk to you guys, and in four games they're one and three, one and three in the last four games. Uh, with losses to the New York Giants, Cleveland Browns, and last night, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, the Seahawks, that's a loss you can kind of understand. They're underdogs going into it. Um, Seahawks, I think we can agree, were the better team. Um, but the other two are inexcusable. You cannot uh, lose to the New York Giants uh, without Saquon Barkley, even. And... Uh, Expect to be considered a good team. You lost to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback. That team overall isn't good. They don't have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Miles Garrett was out with coronavirus. And you still lose. You still lose. And they had just played the Texans, and they scored like a combined 17 points, I believe. Are you kidding me? Come on now. Um, that one win, of course, was against the Dallas Cowboys. They won 23-9, I believe. Um, so a good win against a terrible team. I thought it was going to be a much bigger win. It was an ugly win, I remember, but it was a win. Um, so last night, Monday Night Football, they play the Seahawks in Philly, and they lose it by six. Seattle Seahawks score, uh, scored 23 points to the Eagles, 17. Uh, the offense struggled mightily, mightily in this game. Um... Despite what was, I think, a, a better than most games this season performance by Carson Wentz, um, 
He played better than I think some of us anticipated. He went 25 for 45 passes for 215 yards, two touchdowns, and only one interception. Only, only one turnover. Um, I think he's averaging two per game. Uh, so I guess that's an improvement. Uh, the worst part from him last night, he was sacked six times. Six times against what is uh, considered by many to be one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, of course, you know, they have Jamal Adams, um, who leads the team in sacks. He's a safety, by the way. Their safety is leading their team in sacks. So just think about that. Like, no doubt Jamal Adams is a great player, but you're a safety and you're leading the team in sacks. Are you kidding me? And yet we somehow give up six sacks to this team. Miles Sanders, he was non-existent last night. It was unbelievable. Only six rushes, only 15 yards. I believe he also had two catches for seven yards. I mean, I am sorry to everyone who started him in fantasy. That is a rough night for you guys. Um, you know who might have been the only player on the offense who had a good night last night? Dallas Goddard. Seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Richard Rodgers also had a good night as well. He had a touchdown. Don't know how many yards or catches he had, but I know he was uh, out there getting some catches in as well. He's the third string tight end for the Eagles. Hauled in that, I guess you could call it a Hail Mary at the end, uh, off the tip. Pat off the tipped catch. Um, Russell Wilson on the other side for Seattle, 22 for 31, 230 yards, and only one touchdown. Uh, that's a bit of a shocker, too. I, I was uh, looking at that this morning. I was like, wow, who would have thought Carson Wentz would score more touchdowns than Russell Wilson this game? I don't think anybody would have. Um, and then DK Metcalf, 10 catches, 177 yards. He went crazy against Darius Slay. Darius Slay was struggling, man. Uh, I don't know what was up with that. And uh, he got in a fight with DK Metcalf early. But this team has struggled with DK Metcalf the last two years. Last year in the playoffs, he chewed them apart. This year in the regular season, he's chewing them apart. Uh, I mean, I know that Philly has never really had a good secondary. But come on now, 177 yards? I mean, this is the same team that gave up uh, four touchdowns to Chase Claypool. So... I guess we can't be expecting too much, but come on now. You'd think in four quarters they would be able to figure something out, but no. So, I mean, I was I was very disappointed with this team after this game. I was very upset. Uh, I was really at a loss of, like, what is wrong with this team? Like, there's so much wrong with this team. So I went back, looked at the 2017 Super Bowl winning team. I was like, okay, what are they doing wrong? What are they doing differently now? What is different about this team from 2017 when they won that Super Bowl championship? And here are the two big points I found. The the number one, the number one of the two biggest differences with this team is the offensive line. The Eagles have already had 10 different starting combinations at offensive line this season alone, okay? I believe, I, I'm not 100% certain on this, but I believe the Super Bowl season, uh, three years ago, 2017, they only had one different starting combination with their offensive line. That was when Jason Peters tore his ACL week seven, Monday night against the Redskins 
October thirteenth, I want to say. Um, why? I, I know. I know you're asking. How in the world do you know this? I actually went to that game. It's uh, one of the two Eagles games I've ever been to. It's probably my, probably the best night of my life. Had so much fun. Drove up to Philadelphia with my dad for my thirteenth birthday. It was uh, pretty great. One of my one of my uh, favorite days ever. So that's why I remember it so well. But I believe that was the only injury or change to that offensive line they saw all season. They still had Brandon Brooks. They still had Jason Kelsey. They still had um, Lane Johnson. I think the only um, only thing that may have changed that season with them is if um, Brandon Brooks had like an anxiety thing that season and was out of game or something like that. That's the guy who has anxiety, right? I think so. Um, that would be the only reason there was any change in 2017. So... At the end of the day, offensive line extremely consistent for them that season throughout the regular season and playoffs. And when you look at the team that made the Super Bowl the year before them, the Atlanta Falcons, in 2016, their offensive line, do you want to know how many times they changed their offensive line that 2016 season? Zero. Not a single time was their offensive line different from week one to week, well, 17 plus one, two, three. Week twenty, <laughs> if you want to count, if you want to count it like that, all the way up to the Super Bowl, they didn't have a single change to their offensive line. So, as we have learned and seen through all of this, offensive line is extremely important to a team's success. And right now, the Eagles they just don't have a consistent one. I mean, and they are obviously struggling out there. It's part of the reason why Carson Wentz was sacked six times last night. I don't want to put it all on him, right? Because I would say I would argue maybe half of those are probably because of the offensive line. Other half, he was taking too much time, he was holding the ball, scrambling wrong, all that kind of stuff. Um, the second thing, the second big thing, and, I, and many would argue the biggest thing about this team that is different from 2017, is the quarterback. It is the quarterback position. Who won the Super Bowl in 2017 at quarterback? It was not Carson Wentz, it was Nick Foles. Now, did Carson Wentz have a great season in 2017? No doubt about it. I still say to this day, he should have won the MVP award in 2017. He got injured in week 13, all right? He was still leading the league in touchdowns all the way until the Super Bowl. It took Tom Brady to and through the Super Bowl in order to pass Carson Wentz in touchdowns in a season in that season, right? And yet Tom Brady wins league MVP. Like, how does that make any sense? This guy had seven less games than Tom Brady to play, and yet he he scored the exact same amount of touchdown passes as Tom Brady. How is he not the MVP? That should give him even more reason to be MVP. I think the reason it was because they were still succeeding under Nick Foles, and he didn't look as valuable because that's what what that's what the V word stands for at the end of the day. It doesn't mean best player in the league necessarily. It means most valuable. That's why. Um, that's why. What's his name from the Ravens? Uh, L- Lamar Jackson won it last year instead of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was the best player in the league. But was he most valuable? Was he the flashiest? Was he the coolest? Was he the most irreplaceable? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That was probably Lamar Jackson last year. That's why he won the he won the award. But here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Carson Wentz did not win that Super Bowl. Nick Foles won that Super Bowl. Nick Foles is not with this team anymore this season. Am I saying that we would be under 
better. We would have more success under Nick Foles right now. No. No. Because while you probably wouldn't have as many turnovers, you also wouldn't have as much uh, success. Although Carson Wentz hasn't really had much success this season. Um, I, you know what? I would probably say it's about the same level of success the two, the two uh, players would have. Here's what I'm getting at. It is time for a quarterback change. It is time for Jalen Hurts to take the field and not play one snap and be replaced. I mean a series. I mean start the game. I'm not saying play all four quarters. No. I'm saying start the man, give him two to three drives, let him play the position he plays, and see how much worse he can be. How much worse can you get from leading the league in interceptions, fumbles, and sacks? Carson Wentz leads the league in all three. All three. The team is 3-7-1. and one. And he leads the league in interceptions, fumbles, and sacks. And he's still the starting quarterback of this team. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not saying bench the man for the rest of his career. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying cut him. What I'm saying is can we please try something different? It's been 11 weeks, 11 weeks, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. I remember sitting here week three of the NFL against the 49ers when they won that game and saying, listen, he needs to fix the turnovers. He needs to fix holding on to the ball. It has been eight weeks since then, and nothing has changed. Not a single thing. They're still losing. They're still turning the ball over. He's still getting sacked. And this team is still doing bad. It cannot get worse. I am sorry. Everyone out there who is telling me Jalen Hurts would be no better, you have absolutely no idea. And I don't know how much worse you can get from leading the league in interceptions, fumbles, and sacks. I love Carson Wentz. I love who he is. I love that he's a Christ follower. I love his AO1 foundation and all the great stuff he does in Haiti and in the streets of Philadelphia and in North Dakota. I have a I have a jersey of his sitting in my closet now. It sh- I sh- it should be on me today because I wear the jersey every day after they win at school. But it's not on me today because they lost and that is partially his fault. It is time for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, okay? Any other team in the National Football League and Carson Wentz is benched, I guarantee you. You want to know why? Because at that point, it is bad coaching. It is bad coaching to put a guy out there for 11 weeks straight and be made fun of because of how bad you are. And at that point, the coach is worried about his job, and he makes the best decision he thinks for the team, and he makes a change. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be good, right? There is that chance. There is that small chance that Jalen Hurts ends up being worse. But at this point, at 3-7-1, that is a chance you have to be willing to take. You have tried everything. He's finally not injury plagued. But honestly, I'm not wishing that, you know, he's hurt like 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 that. But I'm I'm kind of wishing he wasn't on the field so much anymore. He threw 45 passes this game. Thankfully, he only had one turnover. But, ah, I mean, come on. I don't know how much more, how much more we have to put out there, how much more we have to see to realize 
that Carson Wentz just isn't as good as he used to be. I'm not saying he can never go back to his 2017 ways. All I'm saying is it is time for a change. Rattle him up. Show him that this that this is not a given, right? I think this entire team has gotten very complacent since that 2017 Super Bowl championship. This entire team, the coaching staff, the front office, every single member of this team that is still on this team since 2017, they've gotten complacent. They really have. They're like, all right, cool. We've finally done it. We've won a ring. Now we get paid. And that's all we matter. And that's all that matters to us. That's all we care about. Shake him up. Show him that this is not a given. Show him that this is not this is not a right. This is a privilege. He has to earn a starting spot on this team. And by leading the league in interceptions and fumbles and sacks, that is not earning squat. That isn't earning anything except for the record this team has now, which is three seven and one. That's the only thing they've earned, and that's exactly what they deserve with the way that they've been playing. I don't know how much I, I need I need to tell you to get Jalen Hurts in. It should be obvious at this point. It is um it's honestly it's honestly um embarrassing. It's it's it is embarrassing to live in Atlanta and be known among all my friends and pretty much everywhere for being an Eagles fan because I'm passionate. I'm proud of this team for the most part. I'm proud of being a Philadelphia fan. I love it. I'm not saying I I, I hate this. No, I want I want to be a proud Eagles fan, but it's hard to be one right now. It is hard to be a proud Eagles fan right now, and there's not much of a reason to be one because this team is a clown show. It's time for a change. Please. Please. All right. Enough of that ranting. I'm glad I could get that off my chest. Um, moving on to some good news in this city, finally. Um, actually, we'll touch on two things. This thing I'm about to talk about, I don't have much notes on it or anything because I really have given up like everyone else on this team for this year. Um, but Penn State won a game, finally, against Michigan, 27-17. to yeah, they scored 27 points. I don't know how either. I didn't watch the game. I did. It definitely wasn't televised. I'll tell you that much. No one's gonna watch that crap. I was at work. I didn't know about it for. I didn't know about the final score for three hours after it happened. Um, but hey, they finally won. They're one and five now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more you can say. I mean, this team is a major disappointment. I mean, this team was ranked number nine going into the season. Um. They were they were given you know playoff hopes. Uh, obviously, not having Michael Parsons this season after he opted out because of the coronavirus stinks, and they lost a lot of offensive uh, weapons to the draft, um, especially their wide receivers. They lost Journey Brown after that loss to Indiana. A lot of uh, the secondary aged out as well. So this team is. Uh, it's got a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's not much more you can say. This team stinks, but uh, they're making progress. They got their first win. Um, yeah. All right, next topic. NBA draft happened about, I want to say, two and a half weeks ago. Um, maybe three. So I'm very late on this, I know. 
but wanted to give a bit of a recap on how the 76ers did draft day. Um, personally, I think they did amazing. I think they did spectacular. They made moves that needed to be done, and honestly, I think they've set up for a potential move to sign, uh, not sign, but trade for James Harden. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not saying they definitely will, but it is definitely an option now to do so. Whereas beforehand, uh, you you know, you really didn't see much room for them, uh, even if you would trade somebody like a Ben Simmons, which still is probably going to be the route they go if they decide to trade for James Harden. So, two big things from this uh, draft day. Big trades and great picks, alright? Biggest trade they made. Al Horford to Oklahoma City, along with a 2025 first-round pick for Danny Green. Shooting guard from the Lakers went to went to Oklahoma City and immediately sent to Philadelphia. This is an unbelievably great trade. Okay, um, I know at first uh, at first glance this looks like a huge loss for Philly. Right, you lose Al Horford, you lose a first round draft pick, and you get Danny Green out of it. How how is this good? I'll tell you exactly how this is good. The pick isn't for another five years, right? So you have plenty of time to trade to get that back or get a first-round draft pick from another team um, or anything like that, right? So five years, uh, it's five years away. Don't have to worry about it right now. So that's great. And then if you guys didn't know, Al Horford may have been signed under the worst contract of all time. Um, basically, the Sixers said, listen, we keep losing to you in the playoffs, so we're going to overpay you like crazy so that we don't have to keep losing to you in the playoffs. And then what happened? They still lost to the Celtics in the playoffs. You've got to be kidding me. Um, but yeah, it was like $26 million a year for four years or something like that. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, I mean, it was just eating cap space for really, uh, you know, an, an average center. And you already have Joel Embiid, so you put him a power forward, but he can't shoot, you know, or really do anything great for the team. So he's just kind of there. Doesn't really do much. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. He didn't really do much for the team. So they got rid of him. Thank goodness Danny Green can come in, play shooting guard. Um, he can actually shoot the ball decently, but more importantly, he can pass the ball well as, as well. They also traded away Josh Richardson, their shooting guard, and their 2020 36th pick, overall pick to the Mavericks for Seth Curry, shooting guard, um, guy who can really help this team with three-pointers because that is obviously their biggest struggle for years and years now. Um, so I thought that was a great move. Again, Josh Richardson guy getting paid a lot taking up a lot of cap space i believe his contract was also ending as well and they traded away like one of i think their six uh draft picks let's see one of their five so that's not a big deal it was their third out of five uh out of five picks so uh, that, that's fair you know um so who did they draft 
they drafted Tyrese Maxey, point guard out of Kentucky with the 21st overall pick. Um, they also drafted Theo Maladin with pick number 34. He's also a point guard from France. And these two picks, they were kind of interesting. Now, obviously, this team is still in need of a backup point guard for um, for Ben Simmons, right? Um, you know, they've got guys like uh, Shake Milton, Matisse Thibel, uh to do that. But these guys add more of a defensive presence and shooting presence to back him up, which is nice. They then drafted Isaiah Joe, number 49. He's a shooting guard out of Arkansas. Again, another guy who can add just uh, firepower to this team. Hit him from deep. And then Paul Reed, number 58 overall. Power forward from very appropriate DePaul. Because um, his name is Paul. Um, and this, again, will just add to their power forward depth. Because they don't have a ton of that. Um, so along with those picks, this is the roster that they have right now um at least these are the most notable players um for you guys uh ben simmons matisse Thybul, furkan korkmaz shake milton tobias harris mike scott joel Embiid, tony bradley who i'll get to in just a second and then huge free agency pickup dwight howard and i will talk about that after we talk about tony bradley so tony bradley in case you don't know who he is, he's a power forward and a center from the Phoenix Suns. And they actually got him in a trade with Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith, if you guys don't remember him, he was the 16th overall draft pick by the um, by the Sixers. I'm trying to remember. Was it... No, he wasn't drafted number 16 by the Sixers. Uh, Michael Bridges was drafted number 10 by the Sixers in that draft and then traded for Zaire Smith, which was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen because Bridges' mom worked for the Sixers organization. So it was like a, you know, a, a perfect storybook, right? Mom works for the team. Son uh, gets drafted by the team. They get to go into work every single day. Both uh, help out with the sport they love. All that great stuff. And then, boom, right there on the draft floor, he gets traded for some random guy named Zaire Smith. Rookie season. Ends up getting some insane allergy reaction to, I believe it was like sesame seeds. Out for the year. It was unbelievable. Um, and uh, then, you know, he's here and there on the court a little bit. Doesn't really do much. And then traded for Tony Bradley. So, another one of those absolute flops of picks by the 76ers. Uh, you can add that one to the list along with Markel Fultz and Nerlings Noel. So, yeah, really bad draft history for the Sixers in the past, but I think this this draft definitely uh, helped them uh, start a bit of a comeback with that. And then Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, of course, from the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, they picked him up in free agency. I believe it was like a veteran's minimum as well. I don't think they got him for too much, a couple million dollars for a one-year contract. Here's why I think this is absolutely amazing, right? Here, because this is my dream. This is my dream with this signing. This is what I think happened. They didn't really sign this guy to be a player. Just like the Lakers didn't really sign this guy to be a player. Although, he did play pretty well for the Lakers. 
they signed him to be a player coach for Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and all the other guys in Los Angeles. And he's going to do the exact same thing here in Philly with Joel Embiid. He's going to walk in there, show Joel Embiid up, say, listen, buddy, you're young, you want to shoot threes, but I'm the big man, I've been here for a while, I know how to win, and here's how. You sit there, you put your butt in the paint, you grab the ball, you pivot, and you shoot, and you score, and you dunk over everybody, you get the rebounds, all that. No more of this craziness where you go out to the three-point line and shoot threes because you want to score big points and be flashy and be, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic and just be able to do everything and be the man, right? Because Nikola Jokic is not winning championships. He didn't win a championship last season. He didn't win it the year before. A center's job is to sit there, grab rebounds, and dunk it over people and dish it out to the three-point line and post up and score on everybody. When you are as talented and as big and as uh, muscular and strong as Joel Embiid, you should not be out there shooting three-pointers. Now, he's had to. He, oh, my goodness. He has had to. Because no one else on this team can shoot the three-point ball. And that's why I think moves like Seth Curry and Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey are so big because it helps add to this team's depth. And it's no longer just Furkan Korkmaz and Shake Milton and Tobias Harris as the guys who are relied on to shoot three-pointers. So I think Daryl Morley has done a fantastic job with this team. Uh, really rebuilding it without uh, moving any of the key pieces, which I really appreciated. Um, he hasn't given up on this team yet. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna give him one more season, um, and then because of, you know the cap space and all the expiring contracts and all that stuff, then he's gonna have to make some moves. Um, but so far, I think he's done a fantastic job. I'm also excited to see what Doc Rivers brings. Um, because, you know, it's just a change of pace from Brett Brown, you know. It's a guy who I think is actually going to coach the team, coach him hard, coach him well, and be willing to stand in there and say, no, this is how it's going to go. I call the shots, you make the plays. That's as simple as it is. You know, with Brett Brown, the team, the, the players weren't listening. They weren't getting disciplined. They were making up their own plays. They were calling their own plays, calling their own shots, and doing whatever the heck they wanted. That's why Joel Embiid was out there shooting three-pointers, Right. But I think Doc Rivers and Dwight Howard are going to stand in and go, listen, buddy, you're, you're seven foot. You're 250 pounds. You're strong. You go down there in the paint, and you score on everybody there. Listen, it might not be as flashy as a three-pointer, right? But at the end of the day, you're still going to score an insane amount of points, and you're going to get this team wins. So I'm very excited for what this team has to offer. And uh, the season is almost here. It's, uh, it's December 1st. I believe the season starts like December 13th. So less than two weeks. So I'm super excited about that. Basketball is one of my favorite sports um, to watch. I think, honestly, it's my favorite sport to play just for fun. I would say competitively soccer is my favorite sport to play um, just because I like running. And it, it combines both running with, like, you know, physicality with other people and um, kicking a ball around. You know, it's pretty fun. Um Whereas, you know, running is just you and you, you know, that's pretty much it, right? 
there's actually a, a much larger team aspect to soccer. So I like I like playing that uh, competitively, but recre- recreationally, you know, when I'm out with my friends, I'm going and playing basketball. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for it, and I think I think they're going to do a lot better than last year. I think they've got a chance here at some really special stuff, especially under new coaching. I think that they're going to do really well. Um, and uh, finally, uh, look at the future of the Eagles. The next couple of games, they play the Saints, the Packers, the uh, the Cardinals, the um, Cowboys, and then the football team, Washington football team. Um, yeah, it, it's a tough final schedule, honestly. Um, they're only favored in two of their next five, uh, which would put them at a five, ten, and one finish. Listen, they've got to go three and two to make the playoffs, which is unbelievable. The fact that the three, seven, and one can still make the playoffs. Um, but if they win three of their next five, I think they can do it. They obviously have to win against uh, Dallas and Washington. That's a given. Those are you know division games. It's definitely going to have to come down to a tiebreaker, I believe. Um, so you need those wins. And, um, I would say you also need a win from either, uh, against New Orleans or Arizona. And I think their best opportunity is this upcoming week against, uh, the Saints. I believe they play the Saints next, right? Looking it up here. Um, no, they play the Packers and then the Saints. So Packers first and the Saints. Honestly, honestly, despite how bad this team is, I don't think that either of these games, uh, any of these games are unwinnable, right? I think they have a chance at all of these. Um, obviously, I think the Packers is the toughest matchup. That's why I want to see Jalen Hurts start. You know, this is a game you don't really have a big chance of winning. Um, so start Jalen Hurts, see how it goes, give him two or three drives if it doesn't go well. Uh, put Carson Wentz back out there and uh, see if he has a bit of a resurgence. And then uh, against the Saints, that's the first game that Drew Brees is eligible to be back. But, you know, he broke his ribs in 13 different spots. I don't think that's a four-week recovery, right? Um, at least I wouldn't rush him, right? This team is playing well. They're getting, uh, they're not playing amazing, but they're getting wins. Uh, you know, don't, don't rush Drew Brees. Come on, you're trying to make a playoff run. So... I expect Taysom Hill to start that game. It's in Philly. It's going to be in the cold, December 13th. Um, I think the Eagles have a really big shot at that. Uh, Taysom Hill, you know, he's not really a quarterback. He, he's a running back, you know. And this Eagles defensive line is uh, one of the best I think we've seen in years. Um, uh, Fletcher Cox is playing really well. Derek Barnett has really arisen. He was single-handedly holding that defense uh, up uh, for that first half against the Seahawks. So I wouldn't write them out against the the Saints, especially if Taysom Hill is starting because uh, this team has struggled a little bit. And Taysom Hill, he's not really a thrower. He's a runner, and we've got a good run defense. So, uh, you know, if they can if they can pull off a upset win that game and then, you know, beat teams that they're supposed to beat, Cowboys and, and, football, and the football team, we can still make the playoffs, so um, I'm 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 being the optimistic Eagles Eagles fan here. Um, we can still make the playoffs. We're gonna have to get one upset here within the next three weeks, and then uh, win games we're supposed to, which sounds easy, right? But uh, I don't know if you remember Week One. <laughs> we were supposed to destroy the football team, Washington, and uh, that didn't happen. So 
uh, it's a big reason of why we're three seven and one. We lost games that we were supposed to win. So they need to start doing that. It's gonna take a lot of work. It's gonna take a lot of work these next five weeks to get three wins and make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, so two questions for you guys uh, listening on uh, SoundCloud or YouTube before I go. Um, if you're listening somewhere else, hop on over to YouTube or SoundCloud and leave a comment. I want to hear your take on these two things. Number one, if the Eagles do not make the playoffs, is Doug Peterson fired? Yes or no? For me personally, I think it's a yes. I think it's a yes because the team has already done really bad. If they don't make the playoffs in an awful division, are you kidding me? I would hope at that point. Uh, Carson Wentz has been benched, so you can't even put the blame on him. Um, and at that point, you know, you've got no one else to turn to. It's Doug Peterson's fault. I think he's out if, uh, if they don't make the playoffs. So, um, he's definitely on the hot seat. And then number two, uh, with the way that the Sixers look right now, new coaching staff, new front office, a bit of a new team, um, where do you see them at the end of this, uh, upcoming uh, NBA season, right? NBA final, uh, winners, NBA finals, conference finals, conference semifinals. Uh, where do you, where do you think, uh, they will make it to in the playoffs this year for me right now? I think they can make it to the conference finals. Um, just with this roster. Um, they're against a, a, uh, a Eastern conference that isn't amazing. Uh, obviously have the, the, uh, Miami Heat, who are really good, but there's not many other contenders out there. Milwaukee, they they they've uh, they've, in my opinion, downgraded their roster this season. Uh, Boston Celtics, I think I think we can beat them this year. They're obviously our kryptonite, but I think with new coaching staff, with some new players, we can do it. So I, I see them going to the conference finals right now. I don't see them winning the conference finals, but I think they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But let me know, where do you see the Sixers making it to uh, this season? Uh, again, I'm super excited for this season. I think I think we're going to witness the first winning uh, record Philadelphia team uh, in, what has it been since hockey? Four months? <laughs> Yeah, it's been four months since we've witnessed a winning record Philadelphia team. So that'll that'll be a good change of pace. Enough of one and five Nittany Lions and three seven and one Eagles. Unbelievable. Alright, that's it for me. Uh hopefully I will be able to talk to you guys next week. But if not, I'm gonna try to put these out at least once every two weeks, uh, and not slack so much. Uh I've got less scout stuff and school stuff um, coming up. Midterms are soon, so not much new content, not much new work to do. So hopefully I'll be talking to you guys next week. Uh, But no matter what, I will see you guys soon. And yeah.